Romans chapter 4. We have been talking about a 21-day shift, and we're just about at the end of this season. God has been challenging us, hasn't he? Has he stretched your faith a little bit? Has he stretched your faith a lot? Amen. Good. Well, I want you to know something. This is not the end. It's just the beginning. We are headed somewhere, corporately and individually, we're headed somewhere, and tonight, God wants to continue to feed us that word, that strategy that he has been promising to us, and he has uh, spoken to us in the last few weeks in such a way that if, uh, if you miss it, I would go back and hear it again, or if you heard it, hear it again. Get the podcast, whatever you need to do to get that word in your spirit. Scripture says that faith comes by hearing, right? Hearing what? The word of God, not gossip, not the latest political drama, but hearing the word of God. And we have heard in the last couple of, uh, or on Sunday I, I concluded Uh, by talking about something that I want to elaborate on today, and that's the power of your voice in spiritual warfare. Esta noche vamos a hablar un poco sobre el poder de nuestra voz en la guerra espiritual. How many of you have a voice? Some of you have a voice. How many of you have a voice? Amen. We have been instructed by the Spirit over and over again in the services that we've had over the last year and a half to open our mouth, right? And because there's a lot of power in our voice, a lot of power in our speech. And a lot has been said in the church about talking, about uh, maybe you've heard it, the word confession Uh, that isn't necessarily biblical. So I want us to talk about what it really is to use our voice, our uh, mouth in a biblical fashion and just uh, to lay the groundwork. I want you to think about, if, if you found Romans chapter 4, I want you to think about what God did, how God created the world. Scripture says, in the beginning God, what did He do? Created, right? This entire universe and the uh, galaxy that we're in and the vast cosmos that we're a part of was created by God. How did He do it? Scripture says, and God said, let there be. And there was. God said, say, God said. When God spoke, There's so much power that even to this moment, his, his voice, his word is sustaining the universe. Jesus is the Logos, the word of God. And the scripture says, by him all things came into being. And apart from him, nothing has come into being that has come into being. And, and Colossians says, in him all things hold together. You realize that. When God spoke, His Word is still what is holding the universe together. The Word of God is powerful. 
And God has given to man a voice. And that voice is powerful. How many of you know your mouth can get you in a lot of trouble? Yeah? If you don't know that, you'll know. It doesn't take too long, right, to know that, that our mouth can get us into a world of trouble. That's why someone said he gave us two eyes, two ears, but only one mouth. Can you imagine if we had two mouths? God is infinitely wise. So before we get to Romans, we're going to just look at what the scripture says about the mouth. Okay? Because the mouth is so powerful and in spiritual warfare, it is essential that we open our mouth. But we've got to know what we're saying when we open it. All right. And in Romans 4, we see the legacy of faith in the life of Abraham. And we're going we're gonna to just begin there by kind of giving us a foundation for what we're going to talk about. Romans 4, verse 1. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, has found? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about. But not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wage is not credited as a favor, but as what is due. But to the one who does not work, but believes to him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. How do we get righteousness? By faith. Faith is credited as righteousness. That's why you and I are saved today because we have put our faith in Christ. Just as David also spoke of the blessing on the man to whom God credits righteousness apart from works, blessed are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven and whose sins have been covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not does not take into account. All right, uh, I want to share with you uh, about the power of the mouth, okay? And I want you to just see some things that God has set in motion, really basic, but I want us to begin with salvation, okay? How do we get saved? By faith. We believe. We have been saved, said the Apostle Paul, by grace, that's the unmerited favor of God through faith so that no man can boast. God will not allow anybody to be saved by their own efforts. Just get that, get that in your heart tonight. God will not allow anybody to be saved through his own efforts. Why? If you could be saved through your own efforts, you would get to heaven and say, Look at me. I did it. I saved myself. So God's not going to have that in heaven. And you know we would do that, wouldn't we? You know, you know us. We like to get credit, right? To give credit where credit's due, right? When, when we've done something well, we like to get some credit. And yet, the scripture makes it so clear that God will not allow any man to boast in his presence. So what does God want to hear when you and I get to heaven? That we have been saved 
apart from works. Apart from our deeds, apart from our righteousness, apart from our uh, abilities, apart from our wisdom, apart from our intellect, our intelligence, apart, apart from how much money we gave to God or the church, apart from how many Bible verses we memorize, apart from all of that, we can be saved and we will boast only in Christ when we get to heaven. All right, so hold your place in Romans. We're going to go a few places tonight. Romans chapter uh, 4, hold your place there and go to Romans 10. Verse 9, we'll go to verse 8 for context. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 through 10. So how are we saved? How are we saved? By faith. Faith in who? Right. Faith in Christ. Saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. There's salvation in no other. Okay, I don't want I don't want you to walk out of here and say, well, as long as I have some kind of faith. No, you gotta have the right faith in the right person. You have faith in Abraham, you're lost. You have faith in Mary, you're lost. You have faith in Kingsway Church, you're lost. You can only be saved by faith in Christ. Jesus Christ. All right, Romans chapter 10, verse 8. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. For there is no distinction between Jew or Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches to all who call on him. How do you call on God? With your mouth. Right? And whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. So the mouth played a role in our conversion experience, didn't it? The moment that you received Christ in your heart, your heart said yes to Jesus, your mouth did something about it, didn't it? Your mouth made a public confession of what had taken place in your heart. And this is the first thing we see in the scripture about about the use of the, of the voice, so the use of our, of our mouth in, in spiritual warfare, is that it is part of our conversion experience. When you have received Christ in your heart, your mouth will say something about it. I think it's impossible to be saved and not say anything about it. If it's hard to be in love and not say anything about it, I'm sure it's impossible to be saved and keep it to yourself. Right? Now, if you're not saved, you probably don't have a whole lot to say. But when you're saved and you know you're saved, your heart is overwhelmed with the fact that you have been forgiven of your sins and your name has been written in the Lamb's Book of Life and you don't know everything about everything, but you know that God loves you and that Jesus is coming to your heart. That's hard to keep to yourself. 
So if you don't have a song to sing, and you don't have a testimony, you need to check your papers, right? You need to see whether or not you have a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Because a saved man, a saved woman will say something about it. He said, the word of faith is near even in your mouth. If you confess Jesus Christ as Lord. Now here's the first thing. Now I told you we have, there's a lot in the church that's been taught about confession. It's not really biblical. But this is essentially biblical. The book of Hebrews says this. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1. That Jesus Christ is the high priest of our confession. So when we're talking about confession, we're talking about speaking with our mouth, we're talking about confessing a particular person. Who are we confessing? Jesus Christ. What did it say? Whether, uh, therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, even Jesus Christ. What do we confess? What do we confess? Come on, this is it's a gimme, okay? It's up there on the, on the board. What do we confess? Jesus. Now somebody might say, well, if you confess that you're going to be rich, you'll be rich. If you confess that you're going to be poor, you'll be poor. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. And if you confess that, um, that so-and-so is going to give you a promotion, they're going to give it to you. And if you confess... Uh, that you're going to have a car with uh, uh, a house with four garages. You're going to get it. And how many of you have heard that? Name it and claim it, kind of the blab it and grab it sort of. <laughs> but here's what I want you to know: God has given us a very narrow confession. Well, who do we confess? Jesus Christ. If you confess Jesus Christ as Lord. Now here's what I want you to see. Everything that's in Jesus, you and I confess. Because he's the high priest of our confession. So when we say open your mouth, we're boasting in with our mouth what Jesus is. And what Jesus has done. And a lot of times... Churches and people and individual Christians get into trouble and start talking about faith because they start confessing things that are not in Christ. And that amounts to wishful thinking. So when we're talking about spiritual warfare and the use of our mouth, we're talking about confessing Jesus and confessing what is in Christ. And if you're going to be saved, that's where it starts, right? You have to be saved by confessing Christ. But guess what? We're saved by confessing Christ. We're healed by confessing Christ. Okay, I'm going to need some audience participation here tonight. We're healed by confessing Christ. We have provision by confessing Christ. He's our provision. He's our healing. He's our freedom. You need peace? Where is it found? 
found in Jesus. You need joy? Where is it found? It's found in Jesus. You will find everything you need in Christ. So on, on the one end, it's a very narrow confession. On the other end, it is as wide as it can get. You remember the scripture said that there is a narrow way, a broad, a broad way that leads to destruction, but there is a, a narrow way. That narrow way is Christ. He is the high priest of our confession. So I want you to be very cautious when you start hearing uh, somebody tell you, well, you know, somebody said, oh, I have a headache. And they say, oh, now you're really going to have a headache because you confessed it. Okay, well, let's slow this truck down a little bit and really see what does Scripture say about this. Now, I'm, I'm teaching a, a subject that mature Christians can understand. All right? Are you with me? Okay, so what, what do we confess? Confess Christ. Because God doesn't give anything to you. What He gives to what he gives, he gives to Christ. And the only way you can get it is in Christ. I need to say that again because the church doesn't know that too well. God will never give anything to you. He'll never give victory to a man. He'll always give victory to Christ. And anything you and I get, we have to get through Christ. In him... We have received the spirit of adoption. It's in Christ. In Him we have an inheritance. You read Ephesians 1, you're going to read that phrase over and over. In Him, in Him we have been predestined. It's in Jesus. So God won't give anything to you again, because if He gave to me, I would boast about it. He gives it to Christ, and the only way I can access it is in Christ. You have to be in Christ like Noah was in the ark. Like the children were in the house with the, door, with the blood over the doorpost. To be in Christ. And if you're in Christ, then you have all the blessings of Christ. Alright, go to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1 verse 9. Now, maybe some of you are thinking, Pastor, I didn't expect you to go too deep tonight. I'm trying to get my kids ready for back to school, and uh, it's midweek, and I'm kind of drained. This is shift time. Right? So we've got to go deep. I don't want to pastor a church that's a, a mile wide and an inch deep. Do you want to be that kind of church? No. Can we go deep? All right. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, if we do what? He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So there it is again. Salvation comes when we put our faith in Christ. We confess our sin to God, and He is faithful and just to forgive us of how much unrighteousness? How much? 
Let's try again. How much? All unrighteousness. That sounds like all unrighteousness in the past, all unrighteousness in the present, and all unrighteousness in my future. If you confess your sin to God, He's faithful and just to forgive you of all sin. So, so far, we have seen that true biblical confession is when you and I confess Jesus Christ. Are you with me? All right. All right, let's go to James chapter 5, verse 16. James chapter 5, verse 16. We find another reference to confession here. Let's look at verse 14 for context. I'll give you a chance to find it. James is in the New Testament. Just before 1 Peter. Right after Hebrews. Chapter 5 is right after chapter 4. <laughs> All right, James chapter 5, do we find it? Verse 14, if anyone among you is sick, he should deny it. Is that what it says? <laughs> okay. If anyone among you is sick, then he must do what? Call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Here it is, verse 16. Therefore do what? Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Okay, so we've said that true confession, biblical confession, is when you and I confess Christ. Now the scripture says this too. It says that if you confess to God, you'll be forgiven. But it says if you confess your faults to one another, what's the result? What's the result? 16. Confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. Notice this with me. When you confess to God, the result is forgiveness. When you confess your fault to some to a brother or sister in Christ, the result will be healing. Now let's unpack this a little bit. When you confess your sin to God, the result is what? Forgiveness. So don't come confess your sin to me. I cannot forgive you. All right? We don't have a little booth here where you can confess to the elders. They can't forgive you. I want you to be very clear on that. Who can forgive sin? Only God can. Now, a lot of times we confess our sin to God and He forgives us, but then the healing doesn't come. Because He says here, if you confess your faults to one another, pray for one another, you will be healed. You see, there is, there is power in, in oh, there is healing power in 
going to someone of spiritual wisdom, someone who has the Spirit of God, and saying, look, this is what I'm dealing with. Because God won't heal what's not brought into the light. When you bring something into the light, the devil can't use it against you anymore. Now, I don't want you to come and stand on Sunday morning and tell the whole church your faults, okay? And I don't want you to go tell your neighbor either. And I don't want you to go tell the person that you know is a gossiper. I want you to, when you, when you need to be healed in a particular area of your life, go to someone that you know is full of the Spirit of God. And you don't have to say every, every detail. Just say, I am dealing with this. And the moment you've done that, you've put it in a healing position. How many of you have experienced that? Scripture said, as long, the, the psalmist said, as long as I refuse to confess my sin, it was rottenness to my bones. I'll have to give it to you later. Good question. There is a, there is sickness that comes with unconfessed sin, especially to God. But we've all experienced that area of our life when, when we told a brother about it. And now somebody else knew. All of a sudden, healing could come. And if we're, too, if we're too good about it and we say, no, I'm just going to keep this to myself. No one's ever going to know. This is my thing. Then it's not in the light. And when it's not in the light, it can't be healed. You know light heals, right? So there's a, there's a value to biblical confession when you share with somebody else, a brother, not a brother in the flesh, right, necessarily, but a brother in Christ, a sister in Christ, an elder, someone that you know is going to give you godly counsel, someone that you know can hear from God. Okay, the last thing you want to do is go tell somebody that doesn't know how to hear from God. But when you go and you tell somebody that can hear from God and they can pray with you, what does it say? The, if, the, uh, the effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. See, he says, confess your sin and pray for one another. You know what happens to me sometimes when someone comes to me and says, Pastor, I'm dealing with this. And I pray with that person, I walk away thinking, man, I thought I had it bad. Or I walk away thinking, I better be careful. I don't want to fall in that same rut. So not only did it heal you, but it's healing me too. It's making me a little more humble in my spiritual walk. So God says, you confess your sin to God, the result is forgiveness. Confess your sin to one another, the result is healing. 
that make sense? All right. We could, we could dwell on that all night, but we don't have time because that's not ultimately why we're here. Go to Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. Proverbs about right in the middle of your Bible, just after Psalms, chapter 18, verse 21. We find it. Ready? It says, death and life are in the power of what? The tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. What's in the power of the tongue? Death and life. Okay, so we said that we confess who? Who do we confess? Christ. We confess to God for forgiveness We confess to one another for healing. Now the scripture tells us, a very plain point, that there is death and life in the power of our speech, our tongue. And you've experienced this, haven't you? Some of you, you can remember the day, the hour, the time when somebody in the third grade told you something that crushed your spirit, right? You could remember that moment and still feel the bitterness of it. You guys are being very saintly tonight, but I know, I know how this goes. Because I know, I know those moments. I remember the moment a, uh, I have to, I have to tell you so I could be healed. I guess, right? <laughs> I remember the moment my, uh, my math teacher told me, Isaac, do you really think you're college material? Now, he thought because I wasn't good at math, I wasn't good at anything. But I remember that to today. Right? There was death in his tongue. Good thing was I, I had a spirit of faith. But when you don't have a spirit of faith, What somebody says to you can be toxic. I can also remember hearing somebody say, I'm proud of you. And I felt like I was six foot tall, right? There's life and death in the tongue. Now, here's what I want you to notice. When you confess Christ, what are you confessing, life or death? Life. No way around it. When you confess Christ, you're confessing life. So here's where we got to be careful. What are we saying? Now, go to, go to uh, Luke chapter 6, verse 45. I'm building a case here, so just... Track with me. Luke chapter 6, verse 45. 
find it. Luke 6, 45, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth what is good. And the evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth what is evil. For his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. What does your mouth speak? What does your mouth speak? What's in your heart? His mouth speaks what fills his heart. I think King James puts it the other way. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Same, same passage. How many of you have ever said something you didn't know where it came from? And it real, you realized, uh-oh. Something is in my heart that shouldn't be there. You can say amen tonight. It's all right. Has that ever happened to you? Hand over mouth. You're like, where did that come from? Here's the thing. Garbage in, garbage out. Treasure in, treasure out. You put, your, you put garbage in your spirit, guess what's going to come out? Treasure? No. So you got to remember, your, your spirit is not a trash can. It's not a dumpster. So don't let people dump in it. Because somebody wants to get rid of their trash, they go dump it on you. You watch enough TV and Hollywood will dump its trash in you. And then you watch enough uh, or you, you listen enough to radio, some kind of radio, and that will dump enough trash on you. Before you know it, all that's coming out is junk. Of all the hours in the week. You spend about, you guys are the A-team, so you guys hear about three hours of preaching a week. But that in comparison to all the stuff that you're getting in your spirit. You follow me tonight? You got to be careful. That's why when, they, when we were children in VBS, they taught us, be careful, little eyes what you see. Be careful, little ears what you hear. Be careful, little hands that you touch. Right? Why were they teaching us that? Because if garbage comes in, garbage is going to come out. If the treasure of God's word comes in, the treasure of God's word is going to come out. So you need to fill your heart with the word. Fill your spirit with the word. If you can, all day long. Just get it from however you can. Because whatever fills your heart is going to come out. The trouble is what, what you start saying is either life or death. So go to Romans. Back to Romans. Chapter 8. Verse 6 through 8. I think I just gave you a good reason to turn off the TV for your kids every once in a while. Do you know that in my house, growing up, 
my my uh, my brothers and I, we were not allowed to have a television, nor in the house. It was a instrument of the devil, right? <laughs> Till I was about thirteen, then the Pope changed the edict, and we got a TV. Right? But until then, we were not allowed to have a a television in our house. And even when we got a TV, we only got three channels, and you could see them through a snowy white static. So it really wasn't like having TV at all. And the TV was about that big, so it didn't didn't matter. But um, my parents, my my this was my dad's law. Um, they they just the hardcore Pentecostals, right? And you did not have that satanic instrument in your house. And I thank God that that was the way it was. Because you know what I would do in the afternoons? I don't know why I would do this because I was, you know, six, seven, eight years old, all the way into high school. I would watch the radio. (laughs) And I would just sit next to our radio in the house and I would listen Every evening at 6.30 through the Bible with J. Vernon McGee. Welcome to Through the Bible. Time aboard the gospel bus. And he would preach through the Bible every five years, verse by verse. And I calculate that I heard him teach the Bible three times before I graduated high school. So I got a top-notch seminary education three times over before I even left high school. And when you hear what I talk about, it's coming out of the abundance of a well that has been full of the Spirit of God and the Word of God. Now, I think about that, I think God must have been working in my life because I don't know why any kid in the world would sit and listen to J. Vernon McGee. But if you put a treasure in, the treasure's going to come out. Some of you are working with lost time now, so you've got to make up for it. And get, get ahead of the game. All right, did you find Romans chapter 8, verse 6 through 8? Are we ready? The mind set on the, on the flesh is what? Death. But the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Is that what it says? Yeah. Okay, let's put these three verses together. There's life and death in the power of the tongue. Life and death are the mind of the flesh and the mind of the spirit. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. Therefore, if you're in the flesh, you're going to speak death. If you're in the spirit, you're going to speak what? Life. 
If you're in the Spirit, you're in Christ, you're confessing who? Christ. Now let me just point this out to you. Faith is always positive. Did you hear me? I said faith is always positive. Because faith believes Christ. What do you think the flesh is? Flesh is always negative. I want you to pray for somebody in the hospital who had a chronic illness. And God said, I want you to read him this verse. I said, Lord, that verse is not for a sick person. He said, it is. Because their mind is set on the flesh right now. And all they can see is death. You need to go and tell them to flip the switch. And get in the spirit. Because the spirit sees life. The spirit sees hope. Faith has hope. Faith has life. Faith has joy. Faith has peace. The mindset on the spirit is life and peace. So our confession is to be in the spirit. Our confession is Christ. Now what do we fill our mouth with then? We fill our mouth with the word of God. The promises of God. The truth of God's word. And when you fill your heart with the word of God and you open your mouth, what's going to come forth is the word of God. And when that word is spoken in the spirit, guess what? Life comes. Are you with me tonight? Have we gone too deep? This is where the rubber meets the road. When you speak the word of God in the spirit of God, it's life. Now we'll get to Romans 4 the rest another time. But I want you to go one, one more place. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse thirteen. Are we there? Let me just ask you a quick question. When the Israelites were in the for, in the wilderness for forty years, do you remember what their confession was? Huh? Are we there yet? Yeah, that's kind of it. Have you brought us to die? In the wilderness. You think they were in the spirit when they said that? Some kind of spirit, but it wasn't the, the spirit. And guess what? They died in the wilderness, didn't they? Because they couldn't see themselves. Listen, listen, church. They could not see themselves in the promised land. Did you hear me? Where do you see yourself in five years if Jesus hasn't come yet? You see yourself in the same desert? 
Or do you see yourself in the promised land? Where do you see yourself next January? Where do you see yourself tomorrow? See, they could not see themselves in the promised land. Therefore, they could not speak, speak of the promised land as though it were a reality. Because they were a mind set on the flesh. And they knew the word. Here's the problem. They knew the word, but they never mixed it with faith. So I want you to, this week, get a picture. What is this 21-day shift about? I want you to go home and find a blank sheet of paper. It's got to be a poster board. Make it a poster board. Get a white blank sheet of paper or a white poster board. And I want you to put on there what you see God doing in your life and in the lives of your children. I don't care if you have to bust out the crayons. Right? You get in your mind a picture of the promised land. Do you know, do you know why Caleb and Joshua conquered the promised land? They had that, that vision of what God had promised. The other ten went in. They didn't see it because they were in the flesh. And the flesh cannot please God. The Spirit saw by faith what God was going to do. And unless you can see yourself in the promised land, you won't know when you're there. So I want you to do your homework this week. I want you to put on paper what you see God doing in your life in the next year, the next five years, next ten, if Jesus tarries, however long. But I want you to do this. Next to every picture or promise, I want you to put a, that scripture that goes with it. Fill your heart with faith. If you see health in your future, how many see health in your future? Most of you. Okay. I'm going to give you another chance here. I want you to get in the spirit with me here real quick. How many of you see health in your future? Amen. Then I want you to put health on your picture. And I want you to put the word of God next to it and fill your heart with faith. And fill your heart with the word. God said he would remove far from us all of the diseases of Egypt. Put that in your spirit. When you pray, you agree with God. Open your mouth and agree with God. God, your word says, and I agree. Alright, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 13. But have the same, what? Spirit of faith. According to what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we also do what? Speak. You will say what you believe. And if you believe that you're going to possess the promised land, you're going to say that. Here's what I want to caution you against. At the end of this 21-day shift, it's not time to relax. It's time to go to war. This 21-day shift 
is not the end game. It's just the practice for conquest. Now, God has spoken to us tonight, and I want you, if you receive it, to stand up and go boldly before the throne of grace and ask God to bring about a full shift of your heart toward Him so that what you say is in agreement with Him. Prayer isn't about getting God to agree with you. Prayer is about getting you to agree with God. That's where the answer is. That's where the power is. So, if you have a spirit of faith, or you want one, I'm going to ask you to come to the altar tonight. And I want you to begin to confess Christ, His Lordship, in your life, in your circumstances. This is more than just about survival. This is about going where you haven't been before. And seeing what you haven't seen yet. I have a spirit of faith, therefore I speak. I agree with God.